Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. everybody welcome to the bitcoin podcast episode number 48 we're almost at 50 uh i'm your first host marcello and i'm host number two d and i'm guest host number three tony sakic back again uh (laughs) aka tony swish whichever you prefer to call me proud and honored to be back on the best bitcoin podcast on the net oh yeah oh snap the best i said it i said it (laughs) <laughs> I feel bad because it seems like we only have you on when, when Corey's out, but that's not the case. You're welcome anytime, whether yes. he's out or, or, in, or in. There's there's never been a group or a podcast that I've enjoyed more. So it's like I love the roundtable discussions. I love my interview that I did with you guys. Whenever whenever I'm chatting with someone, I love – and they, they kind of ask me about doing podcasts and interviews. The, the, the first interview I had with you is the one I send because – I, I, you know, even though I've done a podcast in the past, I find it very difficult to listen to myself. I, you know, I'm like most people, I don't enjoy it. But I listen to that one, and I'm like, wow, I'm not bad. So I send it to everyone. When they <laughs> and, um, and then I say, hey, check out their other episodes. And, you know, I'm, it, it's just still the best. Uh, you know, I think that's a Bob Seger song. I'm, I think that should be the theme is still the best. So I, lo- I love it. Love all y'all. So ha- happy to be here again. And shout out to Corey's doing awesome. Capoeira on a beach. And <laughs> yeah, focusing is. is chi. <laughs> so, well, we're gonna. Oh wait, we got to do our our duty, Marcello. So I got to pay the up. bills. Yeah, um, this episode is brought to you by the great people at EscrowMyBits.com. It's super easy. That's why we tell you about it every week. Uh, all you do is just register and deposit your Bitcoin. Seller ships the item, buyer checks the goods, and then they release the funds. And they also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. So euros, yen, USD, Canadian money, they got you covered. Uh, they currently offer Bitcoin escrow on a chain pegged to a fiat value using NewBits. And if you're unfamiliar with NewBits, it is the world's first stable digital currency. They charge a small escrow. It's a flat escrow fee. It's just 1% on all transactions, and then they offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. So they've, they've literally thought of everything. Um, you know, The service was created to solve all the problems wrong with the type of escrow services currently around. Their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible. I think they've done it. So go to their website, sign up for the newsletter, and escrow your shit with escrowmybits, escrowmybits.com. Um, and then, Tony, I wanted to kind of plug something that I saw from you this week. Uh, I was on my LinkedIn and saw that you gave kind of a video interview. Am I am I correct in that? You, you are correct. It's with um, David Seaman, who actually has made men- multiple appearances appearances rather on the Joe Rogan show. Um, among other uh, among other shows, he's done a lot of media. Uh, I tried to kind of pin down what he's most known for, but uh, he's kind right. of a, a jack of all trades who's done a lot of different interviews, talks. And uh, Joe Rogan show, I think, is what he's most known for. So, yeah, we chatted about Ethereum for about, a, would say, you know, a, most of the chat. But there, there was a, a little bit about Augur kind of going into that. He's very interested in cryptocurrency. So um, if you Google it, if you just kind of, you know, either follow me on Twitter, you can find a link or just Google uh, David Seaman, S-E-A-M-A-N. Uh, and you can basically find out, find our talk. And it's very interesting. And I think in the coming months... You're going to see more chats with both myself and Augur team members talking about it because it appears that 
the media has started to cover it more. Uh, I think the first piece that I noticed was that uh, was the reason piece on Ethereum. I don't know how long ago it was. I want to say maybe a week ago. They actually shot a video, an eight-minute video on it. And reason gets a lot of traffic, I, a lot of traffic, a lot more than I realized. So I think the Ethereum ball has this, this snowball has started to pick up steam, and it's going to keep growing. But uh, yeah, it's, it's cool that you that you saw that, and I was, I was very happy to do it. And and I think there's going to be more of those coming up very soon. Yeah. I wasn't really familiar with that guy, and then you you name dropped him, and then we were talking to John Fitch uh, earlier today, and he dropped his name. I was like, "Well, I got to know more about this guy." So yeah. I think that's really cool. Absolutely, I didn't either until um, Shooter Jennings actually was the one, and Victoria Van Eyck from uh, Change Tip kind of clued me into who he was, and uh, yeah, he he's got. If you Google him, I think Look he might us. have we're some name dropping. We are some name droppers, but you know what? You know what? Here's my thing. I will name drop people all day if they're into this stuff and they're legitimately into it. You know, there's, and these are the folks I think that are. I, I mean, I have no question in my mind that John Fitch and Shooter Jennings are legitimately into this. Same with David Seaman. And they're just like us, right? I mean, essentially, you know, you guys kind of started this because you all like, you dug the idea and you wanted to talk about it. And, mm. you know, I dug it because I dug talking to you guys about it. So none of the none of us are really doing this in in hopes of fame or fortune, which which would be cool. Don't get me wrong. If we got if I got fame and fortune because I was part of your whack pack, like Alex <laughs> <like for> Stern, <laughs> the founder of the whack pack, because I was the first one, I would be sweet as hell. But in the same token, it's really not the goal. The goal is to just talk about something we dig with people you like talking to, and you know, as yeah. far as people I like talking to, y'all are amongst my favorite. I, I think I told you this in our Slack channel. I was like, man, I wish you all would like come to Atlanta because I want to hang out with you guys more. <laughs> I want you guys like around me to hang out with because we have similar trip. interests. Yeah, you guys are just the best. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's I think just an extension of that. Except these people are kind of known, you know, and and none of them are huge celebrities, but they're all they all definitely have a level of celebrity. And other than that, just normal normal guys, really. So, I'll drop some names. Kanye drop- West. Yes, George Clooney. Barack Obama, Runa Mari, Barack Obama, Michelle (laughs) as well. They probably aren't into Bitcoin, but I just wanted to drop those names. Yeah. Let's see. So so when you think of name dropping, you go from Kanye West to Rudy Mara. Like that's your leap. I don't know why her face (laughs) popped in my head, but it did. I have no idea why. That's really awesome. And no one even knows who Rudy Mara is. Probably. No. Who the hell is Rudy? (laughs) <laughs> uh anyways so we do have some bitcoin to talk about we do uh, our favorite topic bitcoin bitcoin is interesting it's it's really bitcoin years are so fast and bitcoin time is so fast like so much happens all the time and bitcoin seems like it is trying to be pigeonholed into just being money like that's all it's good for we need to live with that and be okay with that. And if the community is okay with that, they need to get behind that notion that Bitcoin, hey, it can't do things that some other coins can, or it can't do things that other some technologies that other technologies can. But there's nothing wrong with that. Agreed. So I don't know. Absolutely. How do you guys feel about that? How do you feel about that, Tony? Well, I, uh, I I was kind of waiting to see who was going to go first because I think we, we all want to kind of talk about this. Um, I agree, couldn't agree more. Um, it, it's it's also an interesting thing. I think a lot of it is the, the the terminology used, right? Like you hear blockchain being used more, and then you hear Ethereum being used, and then you hear obviously the term Bitcoin used. So it's all in how you label it. So when I say I, if I were to tell a friend or you know, what do you do for a living? I usually say I work for a blockchain tech company for a couple reasons. One is 
generally they're not interested. They're just asking that as a polite thing to say, okay, what do you do? And if you say Bitcoin, it usually it can start it can start unpleasant conversations with someone you don't know well if they're one of those people that likes to immediately get into it and go, Oh, it's a scam and it's like, Oh, I gotta have this long conversation right now. So I'll say blockchain tech a lot many of the times, but what it does essentially mean the same thing to most people. So what I what I kinda do is just roll with it and go, Okay, it, it, it it's more about who I'm talking to, and this is more for, for when, I, when I'm using it in my day-to-day conversations, who I'm talking to and what specifically we're talking about. But as far as you know, the media or the community is pigeonholing it, I think a lot of it is not good, but, uh, but it, it does serve a purpose. And the purpose is to clarify uh, really what, what its main features are, right? Like, what are the things that make Bitcoin different than Ethereum? Why are they special? Why, and vice versa, what is it that makes Ethereum special from Bitcoin? Because a lot, I think a lot of people even in the space that are maybe newer or just, just haven't really studied it much aren't aware of that. And, and, I, and I see that when I would, you know, I always, I think on our last time I was on, I, I really lauded the Ethereum community. Well, since the Ethereum, uh, the price of Ether rather has jumped a bit, uh, you see a lot of investors coming in and they, they have this investor terminology and they have this investor mindset. And I think they don't really understand that really Ether was created not necessarily as a replacement for Bitcoin, but rather as a supplement, not a supplement, I, I, don't know, I don't know the right word, but it, it's there to you know, add, have features that aren't necessarily in the Bitcoin protocol. And Vitalik has said that, that and himself, like he's, made, he's explicitly stated this. So it's kind of, it's interesting to me that there, there is that mindset. And I mm-hmm. think if the folks that are very pro smart contract are fighting for that, I wouldn't. I, I think it kind of reeks of, I don't know, um, the Bitcoin maximalists kind of saying, okay, it could do it on Bitcoin, but not as easy. It's, it's, it's really way more complicated than it should be, I think. And you have to kind of explain 10 things that probably for me to get to my point. So I'm going to kind of, I'm, I'm kind of going to cut it off there, but I will say that, uh, I, I will say this, that it bums me out that there's a lot of, uh, minds, hearts, and souls that were a year ago believing that everything that wasn't Bitcoin was a joke that haven't been converted yet. And I can't believe they're still not admitting that there's something to Ether and Ethereum and it's not just this pump and dump and that, you know, uh, all coins are all useless. Like, it's time to kind of have some common sense there and say, okay, there's a reason for it to exist and it does some things that Bitcoin just can't. I don't know if that was clear, clear, but I had a lot going on in my head there and I hope that what I presented was somewhat like maybe 5% of what I wanted to. (laughs) People are just protecting their investment. In yep. a very stupid way. Oh yeah, and, and you said it much better than me. Damn, that's <laughs> it. Much better. <laughs> They're just protecting their investment in a stupid way, and it's, it's it's instead of doing that, just diverse your investments, and then be a fan of everything. And then when one of them goes by the wayside, you're like, oh, okay, I'm diverse enough in yeah. both my the knowledge that I have in my investments and my actual investment portfolio that I don't have to be this number one fanboy for something that can't do something the other thing can do. You know what I'm saying? I think Corey said it. He was like, don't root so hard for apple trees as if orange trees can't exist or something like that. Like it's just true. cause you like apples doesn't mean you can't like oranges too. I don't know. We said something like that. Uh, we get wise a, sometimes. I think, I think it's a yeah, speculative asset. Say what? So it's a speculative asset and it's taken seriously by no one. And, and hence why in its seven years of existence, no considerable measure of financial assets have been traded for it. And that's just, that's just what it is. I think, like I said, at the top of the show, people are trying to pigeonhole, you know, into existing paradigms. They're missing the point of what an invention is. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, now, I'm not saying Bitcoin. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
I'm not saying Bitcoin is the only thing that they should be paying attention to either, like Google Pay and Apple Pay. While absolutely minuscule compared to Bitcoin, it should be on people's radar too. And if they prove successful, why would Apple or Google want to use a bank, for instance, if those entities are large enough to become their own? And the fact is, is banking is about to get like the biggest shakeup it's ever had, much like the printing industry did 15 years ago. And the directors need to be following these new technologies avidly to remain competitive as the technology is only going to get better. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, I just watched that movie, The Big Short, over awesome my movie. spring break. It was awesome and scary, and yeah. it made me pissed off. And Steve Carell did an amazing job. Uh, so shout out to Steve Carell, name dropping again. <laughs> uh, but it may, I feel like one of those guys, kind of. When I'm, when I'm talking about Bitcoin and, and blockchain technologies and Ethereum, I'm like, hey guys, this thing is awesome and it's happening and it's here. Except for, like, in that movie, it was like, this thing is shitty and it's awful and we're all going to die. But <laughs> it's kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum when I'm talking about Bitcoin and, and blockchain technologies. But most people are just like, what are you talking about? Yep. And so it's, I think if anything, our show needs to try and focus on, and I think we kind of always have, is how to make it. I mean, I guess not to, Bitcoin isn't sexy and neither is blockchain technology. It's just not. I, I don't know. I, I see. I, I don't necessarily know necess- like, like when, when, how I would define it as sexy or not sexy, but I would agree with you that it's not something that most people understand. And I would also say that I think this, jo- this show in particular does an amazing job at that. And, and it's, it's a lot of it is because if you listen to some of the other Bitcoin podcasts, and I don't necessarily mean the really the really popular popular ones, some of the other ones, they tend to uh, be I don't know how to, how to phrase this, but too like they're too smart for their own good. They use big words when they don't need to. They they should have a thesaurus so they could just use simple plain English. And and I again I'm gonna pull out my own I'm gonna pull out my own how great am I example, but that how that how Augur works video. Notice that I think the the biggest word we used is decentralized. We we made it a point where okay, because for one thing, it makes people trust you if you don't use long words. Because as soon as and, and I don't mean this in an intellectual way, I mean this in a make it really easy to understand way, right? Dr. So if you present, yeah, yeah, well, maybe not, not maybe not Doctor Swell, maybe kind of he was kind of great. I could go for like some green eggs, not really, but you know, <laughs> uh, but no, make it so people can understand it, and you'd be surprised. It's why, even though I read an amazing Reddit thread that said this guy was very unpleasant, it's why people liked Bill Nye the Science Guy. Take complicated subjects and make them easier and present them like that. If you present that to people, you're going to be more likely to listen, more interested. And that's what makes things more sexy, right? Like, and, and, and that's really the key to it. And that's why, again, I'm going to put this podcast over huge. Whenever I listen to an episode here, you guys aren't trying to, uh, this isn't trying to sound like something that, you know, a, a, like a, a doc, someone going for their doctorate would listen to. And, and just trying really hard to sound smart. You guys are smart. It's inherently noticeable that you're smart. So you're like, oh, you have that confidence. Like, oh, I'm smart. So why do I need to use, you know, why do I need to show off? Because I'm confident that I'm smart. So I'm going to say this so people can understand it. That's the level. And that's the mindset a lot of the, the media needs to get, I think, and, and a lot of others. is that, and, and the fact that it's not interesting to talk about and the topics that lead you into it mostly aren't interesting to most people to talk about. And, and I say this for most people, not us. We're obviously in the bubble. But when people hear it, they go, they go, Oh, I don't care about finance. I don't care about technology. I don't care about networking. So 
what is in it for me, you know, and, and that's that other mindset. They don't maybe see that, you know, there's always the different crowds, like part of the crowd is really political, part of the other crowd is really into technology, and they kind of see it in a different way. So I, it's interesting, but I, I do agree with you that about this, it being sexy. But I think that one thing that's going to change all that is once one app exists or one service, and it's just got to be one, really, that starts mm-hmm. this going, and, and it becomes grandma proof, as I like to say, so anyone can use it. And maybe you don't even know you're using Bitcoin. That's when that ball will start rolling. You know, yeah, yeah individuals, even groups can try as hard as they'd like to, to spur that. But it's going to be a great product that, yeah. that really starts it. The fact that I can think of maybe five to ten off the top of my hand that are almost right there, that that to me is enough to where I always feel so, so happy. I go to bed with a, such a big smile on my face. Because <laughs> it's like, mm, yes, blockchain It's happening. Technology. It's you happening. Know. <laughs> yeah. Like what I think if I, I mean just the big the big ones in space Coinbase Circle, mm-hmm. Abra is gonna mm-hmm. be Abra's like great Coinbase Circle Abra is gonna be what those two are but to maybe uh, other countries South America Africa that's Abra. Uh, let's see, Lawnmower really shifted. I'm interested to see where Lawnmower goes. Um, what else do we have? Of course, Augur I think is going to be useful in Thank ways. You. That, I mean, one, prediction markets are cool, and I want to create my own prediction markets over some dumb shit, like, will Pokemon Pokemon overtake Magic the Gathering? That's that's interesting. I actually wish that we had a separate (laughs) podcast just to answer that question. (laughs) Those are the only two CCGs I've ever played, and uh, yeah, that's interesting. And when you said that about Augur, um, you can, and anyone can, cheap plug. Uh, augur.net and you know the bait is up and it's play money right now so you can create a market on that if you want and and also thank you for saying that i do think augur's a little ways away obviously <coughs> or release doesn't happen but what the other one you mentioned abra that i wanted to i wanted to make a cool minor announcement we don't necessarily have the details ironed out yet but um we're going to most likely be appearing this year at exponential finance again with Ob- with augur um we I, I believe i'm going to be attending but not sure so this is all in pencil right now nothing is completely confirmed but they reached out to us and we were there last year so i think it was mutually beneficial and one of their speakers i believe is the ceo of abra and i'm kind of uh, i was checking this right now it, I, I will say that this is one and the reason i wanted to say this is to encourage because there's still time this isn't happening until june 7th or 8th i want to encourage any blockchain company that's out there that's listening to check this conference out. I can't tell you how much it helped Augur out. And I can't also tell you how few blockchain related organizations were a part of this, but the crowd was incredible. It was some of the most influential people that, that you'll see. They even had a virtual presentation from Ray Kurzweil because uh, Singularity yeah. University is one of the groups that are actually involved with this. Uh, founder CEO, his name is Bill Barhart from, uh, from Abra. And I'm looking at some of the individuals that are presenting, uh, you know, there's um, the director of the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Uh, we have the global ambassador for Singularity University that was formerly of Yahoo. Uh, there's uh, CNBC's on-air stocks editor. So uh, chief, the CTO of Bank of America, like <laughs> Brian Ford, the director of digital currency for the MIT Media Lab for all blockchain stuff. He was also an advisor to Barack Obama. Important people are at this event. And you know, I think a lot of the Bitcoin Damn. and blockchain space, and I'm sorry if I diverted the attention of this, it's just something oh. Oh. Attention, that, that these are the kind of events that maybe they don't go to because it's not directly Bitcoin related, but these are the ones that you need to go to. If you're in a company, 
We're losing them. We're losing them. And one more than exponential finance. Sweet. We did lose you a little bit in there. The internet uh, failed us. Interesting, interesting rant too. Uh, but we but, got the point. We got we that cool. don't just go to blockchain conferences because then you're gonna just kind of put yourself in a box. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Because then we talk to the same people, and there's nothing more that I want to see. One of these when we were talking earlier, I want one of these projects to be the one that takes that you know becomes huge, and you know if I can help them out just in like a, if if I can help them out in any way, or if I knew that. You know, one of them may be listening, and I didn't say something. It would be a shame. So I like to share that info. Absolutely. All right, so man. We wanna. I did want to talk about rootstock. Let's go. We, let's go. Let's cut the guests, and we'll talk yeah, about it when we get back. Yeah, that's. I do want to say though, cool. uh, you bring up the big short. I think we were the big short before the big short was the big short. So yeah, like. So. Other other podcasts, they'll be like, we're going to demonstrate a key factor in discovering where the economy and the political scene are today. We're Margot Robbie in the bathtub, the bubble bath with the champagne. Like, you know, we're the attention getting seen. <laughs> I will say that. Um, let's switch back to – okay. So our, our guest today is the co-founder and CTO of Align Commerce, Mr. Aldo Carascoso. I hope I'm saying that right. Carascoso. Uh, Carascoso. Uh, entrepreneurial MBA. Uh, he's got credentials out the butt. It makes him a key digital st- strategist with a keen eye <laughs> for product scalability, disruptive technologies, and software innovation. If you're unfamiliar with Align Commerce, they are a new startup from an old hand, because I believe the founder came from Western Union, uh, in the payment transaction market. They raised $12.5 million, very recent, in a new uh, new way to use blockchain technology to create a new cross-border payment technology for small and medium-sized businesses. So this is very important. And uh, yes. it, this was this was a long one. This was a good meaty interview. It was. It, it started out me not really understanding what he's going to do. And then once I understood, I guess, the mission statement that he didn't officially pronounce one and what he, I mean, basically what he says is that the only people that can do international business right now are the people with the big, deep pockets. Because those are the people that get to talk with the banks with the big, deep pockets. So all those mom and pa shops in, around the world can't do global commerce because they can't afford to. And But Bitcoin offers them a route to do that. And it, you're talking about, imagine, okay, we here in uh, the good old US of A, we talk about the middle... Uh, middle tier businesses are really what keep this locomotive going. So imagine all of those middle tier businesses around the world finally having access to do business with each other. And then we're talking about just kaboom, shablam on e- economic scale. First Asian on the show, too. Yep. Shout out to the Asian race. We definitely just did that. I hope we didn't uh, deter anyone from listening because... We ra- we racially categorize. Well, I say that because I've 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 tried to get about two or three other uh, Asian Bitcoin related uh, professionals, and they've all for one reason or another can't make it. So they chunk us the deuce. Yeah. Anyways, here it is. All right, all right. So although I'm I'm interested in hearing about entrepreneurs and and kind of how they start their businesses, could you could you tell us a little bit about your previous journey at your startup and where you experienced hurdles, I guess specifically like broken payment networks, the pain of paying suppliers and dealing with the headaches associated with using traditional banks. I'm assuming that led to the inception of Align Commerce. 
Well, actually, it's um, um, it's much deeper than that. I was actually born in the Philippines, and I moved here almost uh, 12, 13 years ago. And, you know, as a product of Southeast Asia, you know, you could see foreign direct remittances. You could see the fees, right? And I think as a child, um, you also, you know, I was exposed to cross-border business within Asia Pacific. Um, like one of the more important things that I realized, I think from my previous startup before our line is called Jukin. And, you know, with Jukin, um, one of the things we wanted to do was uh, we wanted to empower the independent video creator. And at the same time, allow them a platform so that they can distribute their unique content to, you know, anyone who would use it. Like, for example, I think every major network in the world uses Jukin right now. One of the big challenges, though, um, we had was, of course, the transfer of funds. Because as you know, you know, um, we have a lot of people who create content, um, not from the United States, but from, you know, uh, from Europe, from parts of South and Central America. And on the flip side of that, you had a lot of people from, um, or a lot of organizations outside the United States that just loved all the user generated content, like Germany and Japan. So, you know, solving the whole cross border money transfers, um, um, uh, um, paradox was really a hard thing because we had to go through traditional wires. We go through correspondent banking. We had to go through PayPal. You name it. I mean, sometimes we had to mail people checks. Sometimes we had to mail them cash. Um, so um, after that, uh, actually, I started with Bitcoin very, very early. Um, I was one of, you know, I was, I have my Bitcoins for free. Um, I still have a number of miners. Their GPUs, they're no longer being used, of course, because of ASIC. Yeah. Man, ASICs. <laughs> yeah, ASICs just dominated everything. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what happens when Ethereum says it's ASICs proof. Anyway, I digress again. <laughs> so, so what's interesting about that is um, I was very interested in this whole Bitcoin blockchain thing. And, uh, you know, as just a developer, I really looked at Bitcoin Demon, took it apart and explored the protocol for, you know, for everything it's worth. And I saw something very interesting inside it. It was called P2SH. Um, P2SH is essentially multi-sig. You know, you hear about um, smart contracts or any of these things. I think back in the day, um, Marwan and I, my co-founder, he's also the CEO. We um, we were the guys that basically started uh, smart payments. So we were the first guys to attach conditional payments, not on Bitcoin, but on the blockchain, essentially. So, you know, we were able to attach conditionals on um on on compliance payments so at least uh you know we could report to a regulator that you know we were you know we had automated checks and uh um we were grown-ups trying to do something with this whole bitcoin blockchain phenomenon so i mean and then from there it's just um you know my my curiosity for the space has always been um with this whole blockchain thing and then one day, you know, I think the last nail in the coffin when I said, man, Bitcoin might be too complicated. So my wife, I actually gave her an opportunity to um, buy a bunch of things online. And uh, she's the perfect example of someone who is, you know, very um, e-commerce savvy. She can buy anything anywhere. So I actually had a number of Bitcoins on my wallet and I told her, go to the site. I want you to add everything to cart. I don't care what it is, <laughs> but I want you to check out using Bitcoin. And that's oh, the B thing. That's the B thing in, in, in this phone. So, okay. Maybe in half, half hour to hour later, I come back and uh, guess what? She says, I can't complete the transaction. So I'm thinking to myself, Hey man, she is extremely, she's extremely savvy. 
And if someone like her can't understand the complexities of how to use such a simple thing, I mean, for me as a as a developer, it's very easy for me. So I said to myself, we needed to create a, like an abstraction layer on top of this whole crypto cash technology, but at the same time leverage its speed, its tracking, its you know conditionality, hence mm-hmm. alliance form. Hmm. So yeah, so almost two years ago, Marwan and I decided to join forces. You know, we've known each other for a long time. Um, he was with Western Union from his acquisition of eBillMe. I was with Jukin. You know, we were just spinning that off to our media company. And one day we just said, yep, we're going to do this. And that's how Align was born. So, I mean, the journey is interesting because I, um, my, my journey is, uh, I started from Southeast Asia, you know, um, and I moved here. It's very non-traditional, actually. So now I'm here and uh, I'd love to share more about my company. And, that's uh, such a cool story. I like how you gave your wife, you said, hey, buy whatever you want, but buy yep. it with this. Yep. <laughs> and she was like, I can't do it. And that that's what kind of gave you the spark to like, hey, this is too tough. This yeah, needs I mean, to be a bit yeah. easier for people. I, awesome. it, if I did that to my wife, I'd be sleeping on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, guys, it was like, it was, it was interesting. So she shops anywhere. She can figure out any payment network. She can pay with a credit card. She can pay with Venmo. She can pay with anything. And if she can't pay with Bitcoin, I'm thinking, man, that's uh, yeah. it's been an uphill battle explaining it to like mass the masses. Yeah, definitely. That's it, what we try to do absolutely. here. It is uphill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so for a while. <laughs> strong <laughs> yeah, abs. For, yeah, for me, I'll tell you this. I'm 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 all for this whole um helping people understand the whole um phenomenon, you know. It's interesting, you know, I'm sure you guys are seeing the past six to nine months bloody major banks are now talking about Bitcoin blockchain left and right. Oh, yeah. I was in four panels this past week, not kidding you, and I was surrounded by <laughs> uh, bankers, asset managers, hedge fund guys trying to understand this whole phenomenon. So um, I think you guys are doing your job because people are listening. Hey, that's what we like to hear. We're trying to get the word out on it. Yeah, so... so- if I'm if I'm hearing you right, Aldo, at, at the core, all Bitcoin remittance startups are kind of like brokerages. So if if Alliant Commerce operates as an on ramp, you must have access to large amounts of Bitcoin so that you can purchase in real time. Is buying Bitcoin on demand the only way to reduce volatility risk? Is that correct? So actually, um, at Align, we really began. Um, uh, you know, the big vision was to empower the small and medium business guy, right? We wanted to give them the same, you know, we, we wanted to le- uh, level the playing field. So what that meant was we had to be crypto agnostic and we had to be multi-rail. That essentially means we don't hold any crypto. Only, the only thing we do is we use um, crypto to make the settlement local and in real time. So, um, yeah, yeah, we don't, uh, we don't hold any Bitcoin. So, you know, we don't have any wallets. We do have a lot of, uh, um, private and public blockchain technology that powers the whole thing, but we don't hold any of these things. We just use Bitcoin as a tokenization, you know, um, mechanism the same way, you know, you would use, uh, we use an um, ether to basically fuel or put gas into a system. Hmm. Okay. I kind of get it now. So you're not holding anything. You're just using Bitcoin yeah. to move stuff around. Yeah. And, and I think that really allowed us to, to get the word out, um, for a true blockchain company. I'll tell you this though. Bitcoin is the perfect example. It's the perfect poster child for blockchain tech. It, it is, you know, you know, 
money money or value transfer between individuals without an intermediary. So um, kudos to what Bitcoin has done. And then, but if you really look at, uh, you know, if you decouple the technology into three main things, first is the crypto cash. The second is the hashing or the proof. The third is the ledger. Um, I think Bitcoin proved that this hashing and ledger combination, also known as the blockchain, really works. So what we're trying to do is to trade take those three decoupled things and expand them to global payments while at the same time leveraging just the whole protocol. Nice. Very nice. So, well, wait a second. Chelo, what happened to our question? Oh, there it is. I got it. Sorry, we had a flub. <laughs> we had a flub. We'll edit it. So, oh, good, good, good. You, it's, it seems like a huge innovation in the, the B2B payment space and from, from what I can see. So if I could play devil's advocate, is price, are price and reliability the two factors that are most likely going to determine the long-term winners for this market? Uh, interesting, guys. So um, I spend a lot of time talking to our end users. I spend a lot of time talking to the businesses that use us, right? And if you ask them the top three value propositions that they want to use a line, I'll tell you. Let me, um, what do you think is uh, price ranked? The price of Bitcoin, like uh, no, no, I'm, I'm sorry. The price of how? Oh, wait, are you referring to the price of Bitcoin or the price of how we deliver our services? The price of Bitcoin. Oh my God, sorry, I misunderstood. So we are, um, we we're not subject to any Bitcoin price fluctuation. Um, so we have intelligent algorithms that essentially do simultaneous Bitcoin trades. Uh, that happen within seconds. So um, regardless of Bitcoin price, the only thing we need to make sure is uh, Bitcoin, um, like the confirmations, get faster. As you guys know, you know, uh, this, this this past couple of weeks, um, there's been some serious congestion because of the block size. Mm-hmm. So that's our main constraint, not really the price and not really, you know, not really the, the um, volatility. And, that's why I mentioned to you guys earlier, we, we were multi-rail. So we actually go through the path of least resistance. Okay. So when I say path of least resistance, we don't necessarily use Bitcoin for everything. Oh, okay. So use Bitcoin when it's situationally best. And we can use Ethereum. We can use Stellar. We can use, we can use Wire. We can use all of these things. So what situations is Bitcoin the best? Like why Bitcoin? Is it just to provide a layer of transparency and... Uh like verifiability or why in which situation is bitcoin the best rail so i'll tell you this so if you look if you look at the public bitcoin blockchain the reason why i think it's very important is uh, we believe that uh, well i personally believe that the the bitcoin blockchain will become this immutable source of global information that never changes maybe for the next two 200 years right mm-hmm. so essentially this is very good for you to um tap into a number of services that tap into the public blockchain and present that type of tracking mechanism to your users. That's exactly what we do right now at Align. If you actually create transactions on Align, think of what FedEx did with packages. So we're able to give people real-time information, like node information on where their money is using the public blockchain. So that's perfect, right? That's so, that's kind of unique. I like that. Keep going, keep mm-hmm. going. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. Um, so essentially, uh, there are many, many very good use cases why you should do Bitcoin. Of course, you know, it's also a very, um, good often on ramp with, uh, fringe and exotic currencies. Like, for example, from the Philippines, it's a good on and off ramp because sometimes if you go through other systems, 
um, traditional banks and uh, you know um, quasi FIs may hold your funds because it goes through a traditional correspondent banking network. So Bitcoin is ideal for fringe currencies. So if we could put our future all just hats on, uh, what Align Commerce is doing is actually kind of tapping into the entire digital currency ecosystem, not just Bitcoin, but Ethereum and I don't know, maybe Dash, whatever works best is what you're going to use. Is that, am I yeah, right? I mean, yes, yes. Multi-rail. So um, think of the Industrial Revolution when they started um, um, uh, Cornelius Vanderbilt, when he started the rail system, right? Mm-hmm. So that basically allowed um, that made, that allowed commerce to start, you know, fuel to go around the United States. That allowed steel. That allowed transportation. So we see ourselves eventually being the guys that uh, um, own and operate that rail. And mm. we are able to switch the rail however we want to. Mm. And basically allow anyone to use the rail. Mm-hmm. I like Pretty convenient. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome. And uh, D, you, you mentioned tapping tapping into uh, an economy. Our, our third host, Corey, actually lives out in Brazil. So he would be curious to hear you kind of tell us in depth how Align Kermis is going to like change the obstacles of sending and receiving money internationally, tapping into that 3.3 trillion economy of Brazil. And, you know, there's perfect timing because half a million tourists are on their way to the Summer Olympics. So in terms of expansion, this seems like a tall order, but it's equally exciting. Yeah, so uh, we just recently released a um, like a like an announcement that we expanded to Brazil. So that's one of the things. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to look for local PSPs. We're partnering with a number of exchanges and looking at quasi-FIs to make sure that we can get the passive lease resistance. And right now we do quite a number of transactions to, to, to Brazil. And, um, um, so since this is new, I don't really have much talking points. I can talk to you though about the real pain point with Mexico. I don't know if you guys want to discuss that. Absolutely. I mean, Let's talk okay, so, about Mexico. Um, uh, you know, with Mexico, it's very interesting. So, uh, you know, parts of North, uh, North America, even though it's a NAFTA partner, I don't know if you guys know, but we actually talked to a number of people who send payments to Mexico and it's frustrating because of the amount of reversal. As you know, Mexico, Mexico money is, um, uh, is, is closely watched for, for a myriad of reasons. We actually have a number of users who have, you know, uh, who are very frustrated sending money to Mexico simply because of reversal. And uh, some of them have actually given up. I don't know if you know the story, but they actually put cash inside US dollars inside a magazine and they FedEx it. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because of just, uh, if you look at the correspondent banking network within Mexico, um, uh, to, uh, based on my understanding, because we talked to a lot of correspondent banking networks, um, experts in the field, I think there's only one or two correspondent banks in Mexico. And essentially what this correspondent bank does is they charge sort of a membership fee for you not to be forgotten. And again, this is secondhand information. Okay. Second information from someone who's been doing correspondent banking for 20, 30 years. Okay. Okay. He's, ba- he's basically telling us there's a correspondent bank or a series of correspondent banks that charge a membership fee and it's annualized. And if you don't pay a membership fee, apparently you get forgotten. So when that happens, when someone sends you a wire and it goes through a correspondent banking network, oops, this uh, rural bank in, you know, um, 
northern Chihuahua doesn't exist. That reverses. Hmm. Yeah, so... So if you're not with that bank and you're not paying that bank money to, I guess, be a member, did your transactions get reversed? Again, this is second-hand information from a from a verifiable expert. Uh, you know, I'm just sharing. You know, I, I I I'm I am in no way an expert in 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 correspondent banking, but this is exactly what uh, one of those uh, one of our consultants said to us, and it was it was shocking. And it, you know, it wasn't surprising though that uh, that's why a lot of people use us to a lot of businesses use us to send money to Mexico because of just the frustration of um, dealing with you know just the the you know. Initiating a wire, um, reversals, and all these things. We got to be careful, though. I don't want to talk too poorly of any Mexican banks. I've seen a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to get on their that's radar. Right. Again, that's why, guys. Again, for me, <laughs> no, I'm for kidding. Me. <laughs> I have my own disclaimers, guys. <laughs> we love Mexican banks. We love you guys. Um, <laughs> so awesome. to flip the script a little bit, I read that small business owners are charged more than. Fifty billion dollars in bank wire and exchange fees. That's a whole lot of zeros. Yep, that's it's bonkers. You want to know why? Yeah, I do. Actually, I was going right there. They've got no leverage over. They have no financial leverage over uh, these banks, man. I mean, um, banks will give you preferred relationships when you have a certain amount of threshold. Correct. If you're, a, you know, if you do a million, you know, a million dollars a year, banks will, you know, you can talk to the. To, to, to a treasury representative of a retail bank and they'll give you a preferential rate. And after four and after four transactions, they'll give you back the rate without telling you. That that's a different conversation right there. Mm-hmm. But the small and medium guys, they never reach that threshold. So, you know, if they ever ask their bank for a better rate, guess what the bank says? You can go to the uh, you can go to another bank. Hmm. Yeah, I mean they have no leverage. Um it's interesting. It's actually the lifeblood of not just the United States, but of the global economy. Small and medium enterprises, you know, um, I think majority of uh, new jobs are created because of, you know, entrepreneurs. And then at the same time, um, it is actually a sweet spot because they have no choice, especially if you're a small importer. Who, you, Like, how are you going to send money to China if you're a small importer, right? Would you fly to China? No, you'd have to go through a wire system. It's, 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 uh, there's just no choice. And it's slim pickings. And, um, you know, we find that uh, banks don't really pay attention much to the small and medium, you know, businesses. And that's why, we, you know, we, we, we decided to focus, you know. If you look at the global B2B market, you know, we believe it to be around 20 trillion. Um, the addressable market for small and medium businesses is, you know, around 2 to 5 trillion. And, uh, you know, that's, again, a huge market. We're not trying to boil the ocean. But what I'm trying to say is, it's many, many times, you know, many, many times uh, um, uh, much bigger than any other type of flow. And then at the same time, dominated primarily by the banks. But, I mean, past couple of years, maybe within the decade, you're seeing a number of traditional PSPs and foreign exchange companies trying to steal that business away from banks. So, I mean, there's definitely a move, you know, a movement towards more innovative solutions. So, but at the same time, um, getting the word out to these small and medium businesses that there's a better way that's even safer than the bank, you know, that's kind of our job. So even if they hear about it, why why do you think there aren't more business owners smarting up and taking advantage of your services? Is it really just a matter of just educating them? Inertia, my friend, inertia. If it ain't <laughs> broke, enough. if it ain't broke, why fix? You know what I mean? Why fix it? 
So for them, you know, broken as hell. Sorry, (laughs) it seems pretty broken. I will tell you this, guys. You know, I've had conversations anywhere from a controller to a CFO to accounting manager, uh, um, accounts payables, uh, payables, the the CEO. You know, from five to five hundred, from five to five hundred headcount, and you'd be surprised, man. A lot of these guys don't know. They just they don't know. They have no clue what they have coming. no clue. They, if you ask them, how much are you spending in, in in foreign exchange? I don't know, and I've heard it from CFOs. Because you know, if you look at this whole correspondent banking network, plus you know this entire uh, foreign exchange interbank, um, it's really a black box. You don't know, hmm. right? So- That's why sometimes you invoice someone, you know, for a thousand bucks, and you get nine hundred. 20 bucks. You're like, uh, is this for that payment? And how do you, find out? you, you, you have to email the guy or, or call the guy. What time did you send the payment? Yeah. <laughs> so now you have to re-invoice them for the balance. It's like, I bought some stickers for $30. Why does it say they're $700? What's yeah. happening right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so, what's interesting is what Alain is doing is it's decoupled, right? The communication protocol done by Swift. Right. And the interbank transfers and the wire and the wire systems are decoupled. Right. Swift tells you, Oh yeah, money's coming into your bank account. And how do you know? Someone told me. So you, <laughs> so I'm not kidding. That's exactly how it works. Right. Uh, and then, and then, and then, uh, money just appears because of the wired interbank transfer systems. So, you know, finance people have no way to, to start settling, you know, to, to, to match one is to one. But the thing is, again, it's not broken and no one's, you know, no one's, um, uh, uh, um, failing from it. So it's, you know, it's a very interesting conundrum that, you know, when you explain this to people, they're like, huh? Cause if, you know, foreign exchange guys, you gotta admit, it's very, very, it's not exactly an easy topic. It's like, not. let me ask you guys, this. do you guys know where interbank rates come from? I don't. Right? No one does, but everyone says it I comes can't. from a thousand. Consortium of a thousand banks that trade during the day with each other and they tell everyone what the interbank rate is. And by the way, someone from Google or Yahoo or Reuters would actually check that rate and put their own spin on it. I feel like from all the articles I've read in the past few years that when it comes to foreign exchange, there's a lot. And when I say a lot, I'm really kind of underselling it, but there's a lot of shadiness. Well, I, I cannot comment on that. I'm just trying to say it's a black box. Like, you know, you can treat that however. It's a black box. Um, sh- is it opaque? Sure. You can use that um, adjective. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just the reality. And that's why Align is trying to tell people, guess what? Let's, let's go around these banks. Let's go from one bank to the other without going through the correspondent banking network. You know, I so see the banks getting that Netflix moment. For block- I'll tell you this. The blockbuster Netflix I think we're yeah. going to be talking about that for years to come because banks don't want to move. Obviously, why would they? I'll you tell know? you this, guys. So I love so Adam Adam Draper, one of my favorite guys. He's actually um, a a a friend of ours. He said one very very really uh, funny thing in his article. I think yeah, it was an interview of him last week. He said that the banks are afraid of getting Napster. Yeah, <laughs> Napstered. That's true. Interesting. 
Interesting. And I'll tell you this. So last week I was in Boston. I was in Boston and I was in a panel. Asset managers, um, big banks were there. Uh, I was the only guy in, you know, you know if you're from San Francisco because you're the only guy <laughs> in jeans. <laughs> you're the only guy in jeans and, 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 you're, and you're the youngest guy, you know, with a shirt with a logo of your company. Everyone else is a suit. <laughs> What's interesting is um, all of them, you know, were hanging on to every word I was saying. It was like I was giving them, you know, uh, regardless of your belief in religion, whatever. It was like manna from heaven. Everything I was saying, I was saying about the blockchain, they were just holding on to it. I'm telling you, I mean, guys, it's like uh, they're listening. If you look at R3, what R3 is doing, 42 or 43 people in their consortium, you know, every single day I'm reading an article right now that a bank is doing some think, some thought experiment or some implementation on the blockchain. Again, you know, I'm uh, as an entrepreneur, I'm so against inertia. So I am a proof of concept guy. If 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 it makes sense. You shouldn't think about it too long. <laughs> I like that. So I like for me, that. it didn't take it didn't take me too long to start building stuff and yeah. moving it in, you know, to something in the market, and that's what Align is. And uh, I'm glad that all these banks have shown interest, and uh, I've been informed that the interest is not on the senior management level; it's on the executive level. So strategically, mm-hmm. banks are seeing this as part of a roadmap. So, so is it safe to say you think, although that? At this point in time, Bitcoin technology, Bitcoin digital economy, whatever you want to say, this thing, this yeah. Pandora's box that was opened yeah. uh, six, what, five, six years ago. I don't yep. know the math. I should know the math. It's not going anywhere. It's here to stay. And Oh, absolutely. 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 I think um, uh, take out the ideology. Um, I just want to be clear. I never joined Bitcoin for the ideology. I think it's cool that that it 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 uh it takes out you know the need for trusted third parties i like the fact that it's a instant way of sending payments um absolutely the blockchain technology is here to stay whether or not it's permissioned whether or not it's the hybrid whether or not it's public i mean you cannot deny the fact that you know there's so much value in having a system that cannot be reversed and can absolutely. always be referenced right absolutely. that's the public blockchain right you can never reverse it you know, and it can always be referenced. So imagine that being like the central ledger for the world. And that would be cool. I mean, um, I'm seeing that essentially the blockchain will become this central repository for global information. And, you know, and Bitcoin is a way for you to claim an item on the ledger. Absolutely. It's your right to being on that ledger. So Right. Well, I own it. I own that, right? I own it. Here's my hash. Well, I, I won't show my private key, but I've got access to it. <laughs> Don't show the private key. Never. Sh- and all the listeners listening right now, never. Never show, show your private, private key, key ever. Private's not bad. <laughs> private's <laughs> never good. <laughs> well, um, I guess we have one last question. It's probably going to be the most difficult question we've asked you tonight. Yeah. Are you ready for it? Bring it on, guys. In ten words or less. Can you describe Bitcoin? Bitcoin is uh, like the currency or the currency. Uh-oh. Sorry, looking rough. Is this the currency? I need to know. You have to qualify. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, never, we never had a backup question to that. We never had somebody fire back. Uh, let's go with, you know, we're going to give you two opportunities. We're going to give you define the currency, define the technology. 
So Bitcoin is the best proof of concept that the decentralized nature of the blockchain works unequivocally, right? Mm, the that last word. word puts you four <laughs> over the Tim word. Man, then you can take it out. Okay. So then, so the, block- <laughs> so the blockchain essentially is whether it be private or permissioned is the wave of the future. The wave of the future. Wow. Whether it be private or permit or, or, or public. It's the wave private, of the future. Private or public. There's there's yeah. going to be both. There's no denying that. Absolutely. Yeah. Wave. It's all about use case, guys. It's all about use case. Wave of the future. Okay. Well, that being said, Aldo, thank you for the amazing interview. Thank you for your time. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. And good luck with everything. I know startups are tough. But they're worth it, obviously. They do great things. And Align sounds like it's doing great things. One phrase that you said during this interview that I've never heard before was the multi-rail. Never heard that before. I'm going to start thinking of it a lot while I'm reading in and taking all this information. But anyways, thank you for your time. Have a good evening. Okay, guys. Thank you very much. Have a good evening yourself. Bye-bye. Take it easy. All right. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. And that was the interview with Mr. Aldo Carascoso. Um, his Twitter is at Aldo Carr. You can find him there. You can tweet him there. You can ask about what he's doing. The brilliant things. Basically trying to tell Western Union to kick rocks. We don't need your Western Union. We can have a global union, which is probably already a company. It seems like it's an obvious name for things. <laughs> but uh nevertheless... He's using Bitcoin. And for the first time, we were heard the phrase multi-rails. Uh, first time I had heard that. In which he doesn't use just Bitcoin to send things, information, money, things, places. He uses whatever coin or currency or blockchain is the best. And I think he was kind of like, told, he was like really uh, passionate about the idea of a multi-rail. And, and what they're doing. So look, go go Google it and get hype about it. Moving on, though. One thing we've dropped for the past few weeks and haven't really dove into uh, is Rootstock.io or Rootstock. And I've done a lot of research on it since you brought it up. Yeah. And what it is, is I think in a nutshell, it's a slower Ethereum. But then a lot of you out there right now are like, well, what the hell is Ethereum? So... Since Cello, since this is on the forefront of your noggin, you've been researching it. I want you to toss out to the peeps that are listening. What is Rootstock? What is it aiming to do? Uh, so it wasn't so long ago that like tokens and contracts on Bitcoin were considered spam. So to the extent where core devs would outright censor Bitcoin transactions with embedded scripting. So as far as the hype for this one goes, we already have the Ethereum VM running on top of Bitcoin in the form of Counterparty, which you've brought up a couple of times. And Ethereum contracts, they work with minor adjustments, except no one uses it. So my, when I was uh, researching Rootstock, my question was why? You know, Ethereum is an application platform, not a currency. So first mover advantage doesn't exist the same way it does with currencies. And developers they're going to run their app where it is cheapest and most convenient, and they can easily move their app to Rootstock as it's backwards compatible with Ethereum. So if you run your app on Ethereum's chain, then you're going to have to pay an exchange fee between Bitcoin and Ether. With Rootstock, you won't. 
So also Ether will likely be far more volatile than, than Bitcoin, making rootstock more stable and convenient as well. So why won't developers just start switching or copying their apps over to rootstock as soon as these advantages become obvious? I mean, that's my big question. My big answer off the top is I don't think rootstock is decentralized. I think it works on a side chain kind of thing. And that side chain is secured by like federated uh, miners or what they're called. So I'm not, a, I guess that's not totally central. Like it's not one mother, mother load, mother lord, overlord of a miner. Overlord. overlord that's where we're going. Okay. <laughs> I just like the word mother lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that and use that. Mother lord. <laughs> mother lord. Contact sounds like a, sweet, sounds like a black lord. metal band or something. <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. From, from Norway. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. The, the mother lordship. <laughs> Anyways, it's not entirely centralized. But then again, it's not like it's just one giant computer doing all of the processing. Um, the thing I found interesting about Rootstock is that it is kind of like a theory. I mean, it's the smart contracts that will run parallel to bitcoin that'll be doing a lot of the same things ethereum do but then you as they call into question like the gas aspect of ethereum and how you push a decentralized application across the bitcoin network so i mean it's interesting stuff nevertheless tony are you read up on rootstock do you know about have you heard about Rootstock? i know i know about it i don't i uh, unlike y'all i haven't done as much research as you all have but i have done a little bit i've heard a lot anecdotal and i've heard a lot of just kind of i don't know if anecdotal is the right word i overuse that word anyway but uh, a lot of just people kind of explaining to me what it is and it's interesting and i like the idea i just don't necessarily know if that you know uh, it's gonna be interesting to see it play out uh, first and foremost i do wish it some level of success immediately because like i said as long as project has decent founders that mean well i think every project's going to learn, we're going to learn something out of it so absolutely but i, I don't necessarily know uh you know why uh, there i think it's one of those things where rather than focusing on saying okay ethereum's for smart contracts bitcoin is for uh you know value transfer why is this necessarily needed when ethereum may already exist to do the same thing uh that's my question uh now, I will say I don't necessarily know what how much of the problem is it solving, right? How, how much easier does this make development on Bitcoin as a platform? That's the question I don't know the answer to, and I'm sure there is an answer. I just don't know it. So, okay, does it, does it improve it to make it equal, or does it improve it to make it almost as easy or some, much more easy? Like, those are the kind of questions that I have. So, I, I, I don't know. What did they raise? I think a million dollars? Yeah, right they just that? raised a million, yeah. They raised a million, which you know is a good, obviously a good amount. Um, I wish them success, but I don't necessarily know if it's saying okay, how, like how hard is are the Bitcoin maximalists or the Bitcoin diehard supporters wanting to push where Bitcoin is the only chain versus investment in other platforms or even a third platform like what was the other one, Lisk, that did really well. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's all these other projects, so I don't know. There, there's a lot to learn, and this is when I always tell people. That, that I'm introducing the technology to, I'm like, look, you know, I, I may be, if I'm on one of those roundtables in New York, I'm like, I may be seen as an industry expert, an industry leader, but believe me, there's so much I don't know, and it's examples like this. This thing changes so quickly that there's, you know, I don't have, I can't state 
you know, like I have a firm opinion on this because I don't know the intricacies between the two or three. And I think a lot of people in this space don't. I think a lot do, don't get me wrong, but I also think that there's a lot that don't. And so, you know, evaluating them this early is just, it, it, it's one of the more difficult things you can do. Um, so, so I guess that's my answer. And I feel like it's kind of a cop out because it kind of is a cop out. But, but um, Tony, but let, me also, ask, let me ask you a question. Yeah, um, go for it. Are, true or false, are you going to be kind of indifferent to any competitor to the Ethereum network like automatically? Because it seems like my, your allegiance is kind of to the Ethereum network. Uh, my allegiance right now is sort of, but I'm, I'm not indifferent. I'm, I'm also – I'm open though if it let, – let's say in six months or you know, if, or if or someone I really respect, like a developer I re- – let's say – I don't want to use Joey for an example. Let's say Ryan X. Charles comes up to me and goes, okay, here's why Rootstock is awesome. I'm going to listen to him and I give it every bit of validity. But the fact that I haven't heard that and I haven't makes me think, okay, um, I'm a wait and see person. When I hear, see, or learn more, um, absolutely. I, I don't necessarily think there's one right way to do anything. There could be a better Ethereum that comes out in a month and someone releases a white paper and you know, Ethereum's all of a sudden, you know, we go from Bitcoin 2.0 to Bitcoin 3.0. Uh, so yes, I, I, I do believe that competition is good and I don't view it as a competitor. Like we need to protect Ethereum, you know, let's not talk about this or let's ignore this. I just want to know, okay, so what is it offering and what is it not offering and wh- what are its downfalls, shortcomings? And I don't know that. So I think it wouldn't be right for me to make too much of a comment on it. But wow. in the same token, uh, I like the idea, right? I do think the idea of, okay, let's, you know, there's already this network effect with Bitcoin that doesn't exist for anything else. So leveraging that to, to create a smart contract plan, platform could be really cool. Um, I don't know. It, it's confusing. It's a good question. And it's one I'm probably, it's going to be one of those rare questions where after the after we're done talking, I'm going to sit there and sit about and be like, you know, I should have said this. I should have said this. I should have said this. <laughs> and, and, and I probably will. But, uh, you know, I'll also say at this point, I don't know. But I will also say I support them. Like, I, I hope that this, the project is a success and I support any idea like that. I'm, I'm a big fan of pushing through ideas. I If I ever sound like a Bitcoin maximalist from like, you, not, actually now are the ones that I think they're the most nuts because like, they're still like, you know, the same things they were saying a year ago. Please just tell me that, t- tell me that, like, Tony, you're starting to act like that. Like, because I don't want to, I, I don't want to be one of those folks that just, this is more personal, but that defends the idea to the death, even though better ones may have come out or maybe have emerged. So when you said that, it, it gave me pause because it made me think, am I coming across as someone that's like, you know, Ethereum could do no wrong? Because trust me, I don't want to do that at all. And if I do, call me out on it, please, anyone, so, to the community. So, so just to, let the community know like what rootstock is and why we keep talking about it. I've got, I've got their website up right now. I'm just going to read a couple stuff off of their homepage uh, or what's it called? Their landing page, their landing page. That's what yeah. they now call it. Yeah. Just trying to get it has been for a while, but now, yeah, I mean, oh, I sorry. still call it this. No, I mean, I, I still call it like <laughs> you do. I'm, I'm the same as you. There's all these words that like people make things a little more complicated than they need to be. Well, um, so what is, Rootstock, well, they define rootstock, which is kind of cool. I really like definitions. It's a horizontally, usually underground stem that sends out roots and shoots from its nodes. So I guess it's like it runs on top hmm. of the ground, and then it sends out different roots that go down. So it's a really important root. All right? So it's the first open source smart contract platform, with, a, and we're going to say lots of fancy stuff. So first open source smart contract platform with a two-way peg to Bitcoin. It also rewards the Bitcoin miners via merged mining, allowing them to actively participate in the smart contract revolution. 
Uh, Rootstock's goal is to add value and functionality to the Bitcoin ecosystem by enabling smart contracts and near instant payments and higher scalability. The project's been conceived by... Okay, that goes on and on and on. We can go on and on and on. But essentially, I guess it's trying to provide a means for Bitcoin to scale using smart contracts. And this has never been accomplished in the wild. So I'm going to imagine like enterprises are going to be highly, highly skeptical putting anything of value into something with so much counterparty risk. Look at how beautiful this landing slash homepage is. Though. With the leaves? Yeah. I'm on there too. This too. The leaves. Oh, of course. I feel so invited into that forest. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. It's very beautiful. I, I actually think they use the same site that Augur used before. We switched over to the thing. It's called Strikingly, if I'm correct. And I'm just, I'm not, I'm not trying to give them free plug. I'm just making a very good guess that I, it looks like one of their sites. But yes, it looks beautiful. I, I like trees. <laughs> they help, they help me live. Is it just me, <laughs> or is there an image in the top right there? Something in the background there. Looks like a face. Oh, <gasps> you're right. Ooh, Uh-oh. Easter egg. I Cookies. see it too. It actually looked like it could be like a Super Bowl ring a or book, something. It's a book bag. <laughs> it's a book bag. It is a book bag. It's a book bag. Huh. I think it's actually a reflection or something. We need to tweet them and see that we found their Easter egg and maybe we get something. It, uh, one like one million free Bitcoin. That would be. We have to split it though. I think we'll survive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you guys heard it there. Essentially, Rootstock is trying to do what Ethereum does. So. Um, it's interesting. I think all this stuff is going to come together, one magical just network of awesomeness, and yeah. we're ushering in this new. I think it w- one thing before we get into you know, winding things down and, and do the plugs is that you mentioned Ray Kurzweil very briefly being at that conference you're going to go to. Yes. And I, I read an interview. I watched, no, I didn't read it. I watched an interview of a guy interviewing Ray Kurzweil about, you know, just the things that his big, huge, awesome brain thinks about. And he asked him about Bitcoin and he gave, he, it was so obvious to him that things are going digital, assets are going digital. He was like, yes, of course, Bitcoin. And if it's not Bitcoin, it's going to be something very, very, very similar to it is going to be a pretty unanimous thing that people use. It is going to be, what's that word Core uses all the time? Ubiquitous. Because everything that we do is going digital. So why wouldn't money and why wouldn't commerce? So if Ray Kurzweil is saying it, I'm behind it because that dude has predicted some awesome shit and he continues to predict awesome shit. So anyways, we got to do some plugs. So Cello, is there anything you would like to plug? Uh, I want to plug myself. I'm great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. <laughs> Tony? You, you well, ahead. he is pretty great. He is pretty great. Uh, I'm not, he's not. He's he's, a, he's fundamentally honest. We have to tell him that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have plenty of things to, to plug. The first thing, and and I have one quick thing I wanted to say to everyone also that's helped us out with the Augur beta. Um, thank you to everyone that's a part of the Augur community first and foremost. Um, we really dig the, the 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 feedback that we've been getting, and some some of it has come through in like different forms. But I just wanted to reiterate to anyone that's participating, first of all, that the Augur beta is just at augur.net, A-U-G-U-R.net. Anyone can use it. Um, it's it's built on Ethereum. So, you know, we have had some feedback on, you know, the speed of things loading or the transfer of things. We're on an Ethereum testnet, so that's a little bit uh, some of the reason. And others are that we're improving things as days go by because it is the beta. But um, 
the thing, the other thing that we recommend is if you see something an issue or you don't like something or there's a feature you like added, uh, we have a we have a feedback tab right on uh, Augur.net, so you can just send feedback that way or go to our GitHub page. You know, if you do anything from making a recommendation to you know contributing code, we love it when people do that. That's our favorite kind of feedback because we can evaluate it right there. And that's just um, it's GitHub.com/slash/AugurProject A U G U R project, and that's also the same as the project's Twitter handle, so Twitter.com/slash/AugurProject. Uh, if, if you can't tell, the past month. I've been uh, extremely involved with Augur more than probably anything else, and I've been just working my ass off for it. So we're really happy to see the traffic to the, the betas doing well. We have some cool things in the works, and I've, I've been really pouring my heart and doing everything with Augur lately. But thankfully, it's going to be getting a little easier, I think, and smoothing out. And the, the, the only things personal I wanted to plug are my own uh, Twitter, at Tony Swish. Uh, or Tony's wish, which I always like to laugh because I don't know what my wish would be, but it's the same thing. Yeah, exactly, right? And the other is TonySockets.com. If you know anyone or you're interested in any marketing or professional services involving blockchain stuff, uh, T-O-N-Y-S-A-K-I-C-H. And uh, yeah, I'm there. And again, I like to put it over all these guys. This is the best Bitcoin podcast on the net with the coolest individuals on the net. And I'm hoping someday... You know, Augur takes off, the podcast continues to grow, and we, we're this is this is my goal is to have a sponsored and I will take care of it where we can do a live recording maybe in Atlanta or where out wherever, maybe in New York or San Francisco where we can have a live one. That's my dream. So I just wanted to put that on the record so everyone can know what my when I said Tony's wish, that's my wish right there is to have a live recording where I am one of the guests. They 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 everyone in this show has treated me so great, and I, I love being. You know, part of the extended family where I can get a call or get a message and say, hey, would you like to appear on our roundtable? Because it's flattering and I absolutely love it. So you guys are the best. Cheers to the entire Bitcoin yeah. podcast family. You heard that right there. You're hearing it. We're <laughs> the best. I don't know if you're listening to anybody else. You need to tell them to be like good like us. And I'm, I'm, I'm mildly depressed because he clearly has more going on in his life than I do. Not true. <laughs> I have a lot. Here's, here's the true story is I have a lot going on like the past week or two, especially with the beta release and things like that. But in general, like I, I work from home. So there'll be days where I don't leave the house. Like it's sad. Like I'm glad I have a cool girlfriend. <laughs> I'm glad I have a cool girlfriend because if not, I would just be like, I would be like that creepy old guy that just like, you know, just hangs out with his dog all day and like does nothing and but I do a lot. It's just I don't leave the house doing it. But other than traveling, I was fortunate to go to New York um, last week, and I should be doing a little. I'm doing a lot of traveling in April, thankfully. So, but one's one's on vacation, and the other two are for work. So, you know, it's keep it busy. But you guys do do tons of stuff too. So don't sell yourself short here. Yeah, Captain Self Deprecation over there. <laughs> Again. Anyway, we're, at, least give, uh, at least give yourselves a higher rank. You know, let's you plug be a general. <laughs> Yeah, that gets back to me giving us a four-star rating on iTunes. Oh, <laughs> Let's keep it realistic. Yeah, four stars. <laughs> he, called, he called me out. You were like, is that your review? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, who the fuck else is Bitcoin D? <laughs> and I was like, not Ooh. me. <laughs> this is somebody. I was like, I just wanted to be realistic. And I changed that. Of course we do five-star shit, y'all. Anyways, um, plug in the show. First off. I gotta give a shout out to Zoe Saldana every time. I know you're out there. I know you're listening. And Rooney Mara. And Rooney Mara. Now you've made the list. Shout out to Zoe Saldana and Rooney Mara. Uh, of course, we have at the BTC podcast. At the ZB. Yeah, I said it right. At the BTC podcast. That's our Twitter. 
Um, let's see here. Ah, it hates to admit this. I'm painful to watch this one happen, but our zap chain might be kind of, I don't know. It's turned into a, uh, join the slack party instead. Yeah. Join the slack party. We, we, our zap chain kind of turned into a bunch of people just trying to gobble bits from us. And we were like, what, what is uh. this? And so we didn't like it. Um, and we're kind of, it's a separation, not total divorce. It's a separation. Um, but our our Slack team, are we gonna? Do we have a way to like put that out there that people can join our Slack team and they hang out with us and find all the racist gifts on the gift keyboard for some reason? Which are clearly not that racist for the most part. There was like one of like there there was a few. Let me rephrase that. When I saw them, because there were one or two that I saw, I'm like, why would this be under racist gifts? This is like it was like like that one gif I posted with Vince McMahon. Like the not the, the 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 one with him in the bodybuilding thing, and I'm like, this has nothing to do with racism. So I think they uh, I think they were scrambling because we found a bunch of them, and then we oh, so it. I missed those. Okay, you you, you missed some super <laughs> duper offensive. <laughs> you missed some so. stuff where oh. I had to like pause, and I was. I'm like, going to back what? away from this conversation right, right now. Then I didn't. <laughs> I I, I want to make the public aware that I had no idea what what the gifts were posted that are being discussed right now. Mine involve wrestling, professional wrestling. <laughs> like if me and Dimitri like just met each other and I was sharing those, those uh, images, we probably wouldn't be friends anymore. Yeah. That would have ended the friendship. <laughs> ended the friendship. I was like, Jesus man, <laughs> who is working over at gift keyboard that is putting these gifts in the lineup. Anyways, <laughs> um, what else do we have to plug? Of course, the bitcoinpodcast.com. That's our website. It has stuff on there that you guys can use. The Q&A. We have a resident PhD in chemical physics uh, that does something that I can't even pronounce. And it's got like 30 syllables. Corey Petty. Dr. Petty. And he will answer your deep questions. If you are one of those people that needs the... Nice. If you are one of those people that needs the... Uh, technical rigmarole the what's actually happening in the microseconds in the protocols Corey can answer that for you and he'll love to answer it for you um we've got our blog i haven't posted a blog in a while oh we're switching over to medium that's true oh yeah all of our Hmm. blogs have been switched over to medium and we will just link back to our website so and then I want to say with with, uh, with the help of Tony, our, our next episode is a midweek episode where we uh, – well, he acquired, we interviewed uh, the guy who went toe-to-toe with George St. Pierre, BJ Penn, Johnny Hendricks, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. John Fitch, who is fighting next weekend for the WSOF welterweight belt. And he is huge in the crypto. Me and Tony tackle that one and you'll hear it midweek. Mm-hmm. Just for the record, we didn't literally mean tackle because he would have taken me down and tapped me on about two seconds. We uh, we interviewed him, <laughs> and it was great. It was an honor. I, I enjoyed doing it. It was the first time I ever got to interview or to chat with an MMA fighter, and um, John, John's the man. I think everyone that listens to that is going to really enjoy it. All righty. Well, play the outro. <laughs> <laughs>